What's up, everybody? It's Bobby. Welcome back to Fight Junkies. I got my friend and big bro, former NFL Charger, Hall of Famer, big dog, and the owner of Lights Out. His nickname that he got as a sophomore from knocking out four people, three in the first half of a high school football game. Sean Merriman is in the building. Welcome back to Fight Junkies, bro. What's Thanks, up? Thanks, bro. Good to see you again, man. Likewise, likewise. I was stoked to, to hear that you were out and about, and uh, I probably would have had you back anyway because I've been following your stuff. Um, what's going on? Tell me, you got a lot going on. Yeah, always, always. Yeah. Uh, we got a big fight for Lights Out Extreme Fighting coming up at uh, Casino Palma, uh, August 26th. It'll be live on Football starting at 7 p.m. So anybody out there, if you want to get your tickets at LightsOutXF.com. And we talked a little bit about it before, but this is going to be the first one we do outside. Um, and it's a little bit nerve wracking because logistically it's it's different. But you know, we got some cr- some crazy cameras. You know, drones flying up. Um, probably get you know over between a thousand to two thousand people out there, you know. But it's um, I can't wait for this one, man, because it's my first one back in San Diego and doing something in San Diego since I since I left. Um, and so this this one will be our biggest fight card so far. Man, that is, that is a big game changer going from, I guess venues, right? You've 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 done a lot of venues. They're they're already set up logistically. Yeah. So you're are you guys kind of building this out? Yeah, we, we built out yeah. outside. Um and <laughs> it's it's kind of um you know look, I got a great team with with operations and production and stuff like that. So we can figure everything out. Yeah. But you know, when you don't un- understand the business, you got to you know, you, you start looking up, you guys got enough power, you guys got enough Wi-Fi, do you got where, where are you going to rig the, you know, the stuff at? And so I'm so hands-on about everything that we do that I get involved in everything, and I don't care if it's on the operation side, the production side, because we, you know, when you want everything to go accordingly, you got. I mean, you have to. You have no other choice. You got to lead from the front. I used to get down under the trucks with my privates. I didn't have to. Yeah. I could have been drinking coffee in the air conditioning. But I'm going to get out there, lead from the front, set a standard, and then I know it's good to go. Especially when you're going to be, you know, hosting a huge, huge show. Um, how, how has it been? Let me ask, I don't ask a lot of people this because I don't have a lot of, you know, people at, at your level that own organizations. But like, how, do you, how did you get into this whole thing? I know you're, you know, football and you also, like, train, you know, you're a mixed martial artist. Yeah. But, like, the business side, what what drove you to want to own a, a business? I, I think, to be honest, um, I think UFC had a, a big part, a big hand in that, because I started going to UFC fights back in 2005 with my first one. Um, and so I've probably been to at least 25 or 30 fights, UFC, over Man, the course. What, you just got out of, it was when we got out of high school, like back then. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I just, I was at the one at T-Mobile and Brandon Moreno and, and all the guys. They had a great, a great card then. Um, so I think it was the, the possibilities of how, how big the sport can be, right, globally. Because we all know that football, the NFL will always be king here in the country. They, nothing will ever overtake football in the NFL. And I know that because I played there, so I know how I know how big the NFL will always be. But I think globally, MMA is just kind of touching the tip of the iceberg on how big it's going to be. Like we haven't, there's certain countries that that MMA is just getting implemented into. Right, they're allowing for for fights and, and that MMA to happen there. And so once that happens, and you see, so you see all these countries and people globally, because one thing about fighting, man, they will support. The countries will support their fighter. And as long as you have that, the possibilities are endless on the sport to grow. People, and and no offense to, you know, America and Americans, you know, we're American. I serve this country proudly. But I also got to leave this country for many years and travel to Europe and, and different places. And that was the first time I was ever, I was in Mannheim. 
I think it was Mannheim or Wiesbaden, I'm not sure, but we went to a, a football, soccer game. And I'm talking, the turnout was insane. And I've been to, like, Subway Series. I grew up in Jersey, Yankees versus the Mets. I've been to some Giants games, Giants and Jets. The way that that soccer went nuts and the crowd, I was like, wow. And then when it comes to fighting, that's the one sport you can literally mute the TV and everyone understands it. It's 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 next level. And by the way, people watch fighting, whether it's in English and Spanish. and Fr- It doesn't matter what language. They're watching fighting. And... Um, and I've been to some soccer matches in Europe, which is insane. But I think that as far as soccer, uh, the LAFC, I don't know if the, they got the 24, they got the 42, 20, or whatever the, the number was. LAFC, the soccer club that's yeah. in LA, those guys are next level. Like they, they are next level passionate about their, about their team. And so, and that's how the rest of the world is when it comes to soccer. And so I got a chance to experience that firsthand by seeing it. I'm like this, you know, obviously playing in the NFL, you got your favorite team. And you support your favorite team. I play, I play with the Bills, dude. And, and you don't have more support than you got out there with the Bills. Um, but when you start looking at international soccer, and now when a country have their favorite fighter that they back coming out of there, they get behind them more than we've ever, we've ever seen. Ever biggest. Do you think, and I, and I bring up soccer, football, in most of the world, that's the, one of the biggest sports. Because I, I think the only other sport that they would get behind people is fighting. So, I mean, if you notice that back then, we're, we're the same age. I think he got me by a year. I mean, I remember watching the fights in Atlantic City, Frankie Edgar going out there. You know, he's from Tom's River. I grew up next to him. That's right. Fighting was – it was big, but it was small. But we were in a little bubble. And you, if you're tapping into – so your organization, uh, I know you got a fight coming up, but – is that on your radar? You're finding people from all over the world, right? Yeah, which is which is crazy because so we're on FUBO, uh, TV and football sports. So can you explain how to access that and a little more for the viewers? Yeah, that don't so you can know? you can you can uh, subscribe to FUBO. Okay. Um, and what's cool is it's on on the Samsung TVs, Roku, and some of these other platforms. So you can just get it. Um, and they just introduced like this new multi level thing, and I'm I'm just looking into and finding out. But the cool thing is about Fubo and why we end up partnering going with them is because they have a tech platform that is unmatched. And uh, more and more people are finding out about Fubo and subscribing to it because now they're adding baseball and they're adding all this, you know, these other programs to it. And so Fubo is just like growing. And so we're we're up actually 50, 57% in the last couple of fights in viewership. And so as they grow, and then we're able to get out there more, and now you know the fighters reaching out, and everybody's really excited about coming to fight for lights out extreme fighting. We're we're seeing the growth happen every single fight, and it's it's, it's fun because you you put it in the works, so you're seeing the results, but it's also nerve wracking, right? Because we had look, we had a fight, um, our last fight, football. You can pick us up in Canada, you can watch it in Canada, France, and some parts of Spain, and so you know internationally, football, American football, isn't as big. And so whenever I see we have a fight and then I get a lot of followers internationally, I know that people are watching the fights out, out the country. So that, that part to me is, cool. is pretty cool, yeah. So obviously you had a good network because you played you know, professional football for so long. But how did, how did that transition go? Because you, know, you think a lot of people – I mean personally, I think it's a huge shift from football. I know they're, they're kind of both combat sports, but like, yeah. how was your network – not just as like Sean Merriman, the athlete. Were you were you close with with some other owners? Did you go to like, were you in that world or did you do that post retiring from the NFL? Like, yeah, I, I was in that world. Um, yeah, I know I know Dana and and the guys for for some years now. But um, 
I think on the flip side of that, I got a chance to work with Scott Coker and Bellator and that that whole team for like a, over a year. Great organization. Years, great organization. Great people over there. Um, and I think for me, having a football background and be able to transition in the sport, because you got to think, the MMA community is tight. They don't play around. Right, you're not going to come at it some outsider and think you're going to have some uh, some success in this business, unless you're accepted with open arms and they know that you're passionate also about what you're doing. So, me being around the sport for so long, I mean, you you can go back to articles that were written 15 years ago about me training with some of these guys and being in the gym with some of these guys, and a lot of fighters will tell you that. Um, and I'm not just training; I mean, sparring, getting you're after, getting it. In there. you know. We no, no, we I've got after it with some guys and coaches are like, hey, we got a game coming up. Why yeah, don't you chill out, yeah. bro. <laughs> yeah, back back when we used to, um, when I had some exhibition fights, we would have you know, with camera phones wasn't as big, you know. Yeah, I had and a, then, remember the beepers? I had a beeper. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were trying to record me in the sidekick, right? No, so we, we some of those exhibition fights I used to have in San Diego, the phones would just get put up. Um, and I used to go to at the boxing club back in San Diego, and I would have these exhibition fights or do whatever but I knew the organization would not like that so I was like okay everybody put your phone up you know nobody say anything but you got some chairs lined up around the cage or you know around the ring and uh and get after it, man but more more importantly man like I because I'm a former athlete right I have a different perception when I deal with it and sometimes it's tough for me because I want to pay I want to pay guys and take care of them and stuff like that but I also run a business Right, so yeah. I, I do kind of tread that line because I know what it's like to put your body through what they're putting their body. I've been in training camps before. I've, yeah. I've trained for fights. Um, I've been with these guys. I've I've seen them get off of work, and you know from their full time job, and then go and train. And some of them are getting training twice a day with a full time job. And so you know, I'm always trading that line of like, man, I want to take care of guys. I'm a former athlete. My my brain, my mind is wired to as an athlete still, but also too, you're trying to run a profitable business and you're trying to grow. Yeah. Right. So you can't do everything you necessarily want to. So you got to kind of like we are growing organically um, and deal, you know, kind of with the bullshit and the hate that's, that's, (laughs) that's in the industry. Yeah. You, you uh, alluded to a little bit of that earlier (laughs) and uh, I could see, especially in like the podcast world. That's why I tell people like, I might be considered a podcast. I'm not a podcaster, you know, I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I, I'm a I'm a Jersey native who loves the fights. You know, I'm yeah. the ultimate fight fan who was given an opportunity. You know, so I think that's why my relationships with all you guys is is more genuine. It's organic. I'm not Ariel Hawani. I love Ariel, but I'm not out here with an agenda to like try to get some shit out of you guys. Like, right. I, I I don't care about the clout and the fight. You know, my little girl looks at me with love every day, and she loves her dad. That's good for me. I'm yeah. good. But you already have a big spotlight on you. Yeah. You you know. Got a lot of lights on and lights out all around you. Yeah. How is navigating that like because it's a whole different world and you're in it now? And there are a lot of people want to start a business, but they're not famous. Coming right. in as a famous athlete, you're gonna grow exponentially quicker. And you gotta be getting some like, I mean, this is a competitive space, right? How, how are you dealing with that? Yeah, no, it's super competitive. And there's some there's some really good promotions out here. There's some really good companies. Uh, and there's some not. And so the ones that you know, start talking a lot of shit or put out, put things out there. By I've, I've even had situations already where uh, the fighters getting threatened by not coming to fight for lights out in my promotion. Jeez. And so, and I'm like, people really out? They do this shit. This, you know, this is about this is about the fighters. That's why I got into this sport because it's about the fighters. And to hear that there's you know other promotions and companies threatening the fighters. Hey, if you go over there and fight, we're not going to let you come and fight. We don't do that shit, man. Like, 
you know, for me, um, they're jealous. They're weak. It, it's a lot of jealous, a lot of insecurities. They, yeah. And then when people do that, they start to make up these rumors and say all kind of crazy stuff and put, you know, like negativity and fight camps and managers or don't work with this. Like, there's a lot of jealousy. And I'm seeing now that, um, for one, dude, I, I was a guy that walked into Raider Stadium and did lights out, you know, lights out dance. I'm, you guys had some. I, I'm some used beef. to, yeah, yeah. I'm used <laughs> to getting some booze, right? I mean, it's part of you know, kind of being a hero slash villain. But the other side of that is is that there's room enough for everybody. There's some really good promotions out here. And like I said, there's some not. And so when you have these insecure guys in this business who want to threat, that, that, that baffled me. Do you threaten fighters not to come fight for an organization? Because to me, when I'm talking to guys, I know a lot of people in this industry. So when I'm talking to fighters or I'm talking to managers, I'm like, oh, okay, who, who are they fighting for? And they tell me what promotion. All right, dude, kick some ass. That that's that's always my response. All right, man, whoop some ass. Yeah, let's all win. Yeah, like hey, I, we're I'm watching. Whoop some ass, and so that's my mentality. But not when I hear that there are people telling fighters not to come and fight for my promotion because they're scared, insecure, they're jealous. I'm like, you you don't do that to the fighters, man. You just don't do that and put them in that bad position because these guys are training. Right, they got jobs. They're trying to get an opportunity, and they hear that there's, in my opinion, scumbags out there to do this stuff to fighters. Is they're wrong, and I'm, I'm I'm experiencing a lot of it. That's unfortunate to hear, but I I could definitely see that you're still young. You're at your, the pinnacle. You've already accomplished more than. I mean, I always tell people, look at the one who's talking shit, and it's probably somebody that's not in the same position. I've never had anyone doing better than me talk bad about. Yeah, ever. Uh, but in that space, it's unfortunate, especially like you said, like you're good. You're, you're in this because you're passionate and you, and you love it and you want to help fighters, you know, get out of that wormhole of not being able to fill the tank up because there's a lot of great athletes out there. They just, have, they just need to be seen. And you have a platform that can do that. Right. These people need to uh, go bury their head in the sand and look in the mirror. You know, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And, and for me, too, um, I, I love this. I love this space. I really don't. There's some down t- downsides of it, right? There's a lot of BS behind the scenes and all the other stuff. But the, the the fun part for me is, for one, being able to transition from what I did to here. It is not easy, right? You lost your identity, right? Yeah, a lot of you, guys go yeah, you, you 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 kind of bring it on, but you kind of rebuild yourself doing something else because they were, you were so known doing one thing, yeah. right? And so for me, um, I know that I have to be exceptional in everything that I do. Because the second that I'm not, people will, oh, he's a failure. He's this. He's that. So, and you're going to fail, by the way. And, and you know, we. I remember the first time that uh, we came out. My first fight that we had when I owned the company, 100%. We sucked in tickets. Suck. We didn't sell. We we didn't. We sold half the amount of tickets that we thought we were going to sell. And so, me, the first thing I want to do is go back to the drawing board and figure out how can we do better, right? To get more local fighters on there and and give more guys an opportunity. So I started going to fixing things right away. But you know somebody else. I'm like, oh, he he failed. He sucked, right? He didn't sell all it. I'm like, guys, like, I'm like you suck too. You're just not in front of millions of people, right? You know. Right. And so when you when you suck, like for me, when you fail or when you don't live up to whatever expectations, no nobody, I yeah, nobody sees when it's somebody else's fail. But I'm always gonna be under that spot. And by the way, I'm with the shit, man. I, you know, yeah, I'm bring like, it. Let's go. You know, I'm just I'm, I've always been that way. Um, and I thank God that I do have the mentality because I will take on anybody. You know, I will fight. If I believe in it, you're going to get my best shot every single time. And I'm fortunate to have that attitude because a lot of people like waver from what I call like healthy conflict. Right. And the healthy conflict is, hey, look, I believe in this and I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to do anything possible to make sure it's successful. 
Um, and so a lot of people are like, huh, I don't want any problem. I'm like, no, no, I want problems. You know, like, yeah. I, you know, I don't want it. You know, uh, 50. Like 50 cent. Yeah, 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 yeah I don't want problems. Dude, that, the, the, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes, 50 got a lot of, you know, a lot of great interviews and quotes, but I think that for me, because that interview that 50 had is like, is who I am. Right. Yeah. I never want any problem. Like I, relationships are, are very important to me. Yep. Treating people kind and being fair is important to me. And I don't want any problems unless you want a problem. Then I got no problem. Yeah. 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 Right. And so and, and I, it, that resonated with me because I'm like, man, I'm I like to I've always been very, very good with fans. Right. Being around all doing everything. I love being around fans. Um, and I love, you know, having partners that I'm busting my ass and we're successful together and doing things. And so when I, whenever I get conflict, it's like, listen, I, 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 want, I want this shit. So c- yeah. come on and whatever you got to bring, let's go. Um, but more importantly, man, is, you know, for me just to stay positive for one, stay doing the right thing. But I think there's some time, too, when you're, when you're like that, when people see, oh, oh, this guy's nice, he's this, he's that, they kind of, Cross that line a little bit, and I'm like, no, no, I, I want problems. Yeah, just, yeah. just know I'm ready and prepared for those problems. So bring this shit on. But that's not my ultimate goal, man. I like to uh, to grow and and kind of do things like the right way. I, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I've uh, my my 20s and, and early 30s. You know, I'm going on five years sober. Last week, um, I was uh, I wasn't the guy that's sitting across from you. I tell people I didn't wake up with skulls tattered all over me because I was always nice. You know. I've learned through a lot of pain and a lot of loss to how to navigate this world and take all that experience and help younger generations and and be a better man and a better mentor to a lot of people. But at the same time, I'm still like I'm still that guy. Right. I guess I might navigate the issue a little more, you know, better and, instead of cussing you out at the gas station right. and chasing you down the street. But in, I, I deal with the same in this industry coming in the podcasting fight space as the new guy, um, I looked at it like no, opportunity. You know, I'm cool. Uh, I'm a vet going from vet to DOD to contractor to this. Yeah, I lost my identity, kind of like we, we talked about last podcast. And now I'm finding it, but I get a little, you know, because it's a small space, especially the, and I'm trying to be different. I'm trying to, like, be or, literally organic relationships and, like, be one of the one of the guys at the barbecue. I don't want to just be the guy who has the platform and does all the the cringy questions. I don't. Want, I'm never going to be that guy. So I'm not going to even try to be that dude. But the, I get in this world too. Like there's there's MMA community, and maybe maybe you deal with it too. Uh, I got to what I got to do is start realizing this is fight junkies. That's why I wanted to have you on. This isn't UFC junkies, right? Like Bellator. Tremendous, lights out. Tremendous, one. There, you know, there's, PFL. There's so much out yeah, there yeah. that I gotta expand my bubble, and I'm. It's clicking in my brain as we're talking about it right now. Like I've been doing so much of the UFC content. Um, yeah, I just had that realization on camera, real time. It's time to open up the brain a little to other work. I follow your stuff because we're friends, and I and I love seeing people that I know win, um, especially in the new endeavors. It excites me. Because you weren't supposed to come in here and do this, right? Yeah, this wasn't in the cards. You, and, and you're right. So, and you're going to experience that. And I, I'll tell people this: like, I don't care whether you're in the fight industry or what. Anytime you start to make way, you know, disrupt anything, right? And people that's insecure and people that, that's not confident about their own capabilities start to come at you because you bother them. I never really, um, I've never really been insecure 
about anything or anybody on any anything going on in my life, if I ever felt like, oh, if somebody has something more than me, if somebody's doing better, like I learned a lot by being around Bellator and being around Scott Coker and seeing the organization and the matchmakers and the production. Like I learned a lot in that two years that I was working with them a lot. I'm thankful for that. I didn't come back and say, oh, I can Bellator. You know, people, I think um, – when people don't know or, or they're insecure about something, they start to like throw things and put jabs at you because of what they what they're secure about in their own self. And so we are making a lot of ways. Lights out, we're doing extremely well in this in this industry, and fighters are starting to come over and want to fight for us. But that's not going to stop me from watching another promotion organization. If you look on Instagram, look at like some of the top ten organizations. I'd like pictures, images. Like I have no problem with anybody. You're and a actually, fan first. Yeah, you know, I would, that's what got me into sports because, you know, I'm a fan of the sport first, and then now I own the own a business where now I can put my ideas and my creativity into action. But I at no point in time ever felt like uh, they're, they're better than me or they're bigger than me. And sometimes people have that, and so what they started doing is taking jabs at you, and they won't do it directly to you. They're doing it to the industry. Right. And they all get together and they band together and let's make up this room or say this. And so I was kind of thrown off when that because I have so many great relationships in this business. But when I heard that that was being done by a small group of, of people that's trying to sabotage what I got going on, I said, OK, I don't have a problem. But if y'all got a problem. OK, we, no we, problem. No problem. Yeah. And I could see in your face. Maybe I don't know if people could see on camera just being right next to you. that You don't even want to have to talk about this shit. Like it's something that you're like, this is just unfortunate that you even have to be on a mic. Not, I mean, obviously, I'm glad. You, sometimes you poke the bull that we got to stick up for ourselves. We got to right. br- bring things to light. You know, uh, we have to. But it's just like, you ain't got time for this crap. No, it's because like, you, you know what? It sucks, right? At, at the end of the day, and this this is the truth, right? Um, everybody got families. They got something they're trying to build a dream, a passion, or something they were doing. And to see somebody kind of poking at something where I'm not even that type of dude. Like, hey, look, I, I'll tell a. Go go kick ass, right? Yeah. I'm rooting another. I, I got friends on another organization. I'm like, oh, guys, when, when's your next show? I might. I'm gonna try to make it. If I can get there, I'm gonna try to make it, right? And that's my mentality. But when I don't see that mentality back towards me because somebody's jealous or insecure or scared because I'm in this industry, I'm like, um, okay. Now now we got a real problem. Yeah. That's the type of guy I'd take his girl in high school. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, <laughs> you're coming with me, street art. That's why I got such a dime piece of a wife. Shout out to my wife, Audrey. She's a savage. She's a So she's I have a question. What is the difference between the, U- um, the UFC world and then the NFL world? Because it seems like there's a huge difference between the fans and then also the business. Uh, you know, it's it's funny, um, and that's a good question, by the way. There there is a lot of crossover because every I think majority of the people in this country love love football, right? Yeah. They got their favorite team, even if they are in the MMA space, or whatever. They still love football, and so that part of it allowed me to have success early on in this industry, right? People know who I was coming from football. They knew I've been around this space for seventeen years. It's like okay, cool. Guys that see me spar in the gym, get after it, have real fights in the gym. So they're like, okay, this dude has been with it for a long time. And I so. think our your day, our day, was when Madden came out back then. I mean, it came out before. But, like, speaking of – I know that it's football's big now, but there was something different in, like, 2001, 2002, 2003, yeah. 2004. I didn't mean to cut you off, but, like, the fan-wise. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you feel the difference now. I, well, but. one of the things is fantasy football. When fantasy football came around – it it 
completely changed the the way that people looked at the NFL. They were so in tune with it now. I remember. Oh, they knew everybody's name. Yeah, knew everybody's name, and they felt a part of owning a team and doing. I remember, um, and still to this day, I don't play fantasy football. I won't. I had a I had a knee injury. I was coming off the field, and I think it was 2008. I played one game in 2008 against the Panthers. And I'm hobbling. I got two torn ligaments. I'm hobbling across the parking lot. I got a big bag of ice on my knee. I can barely walk to my car. It was a fan that hopped the hopped the fence and was came to me for you know picture autograph. I did that, but then he was pissed off because his fantasy we messed up his fantasy team. <laughs> Mind you, I got <laughs> I can I got a big ace bandage with a pack with a pack of ice walking across the parking. Lot. I can't even get in the car right. And you know this fan was so pissed off at me because we lost we lost against the Panthers that game and he was pissed about his fantasy league. After that, I said, you know what? I'm never playing fantasy in my life, like ever. I was just turned off by fantasy football. But the truth of the matter is, fantasy football is what made is a big part of how big the NFL is today. So the fans, huge. But like 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 Amber said, shout out to Amber, my my producer and engineer. Um, I I've only seen a couple of so, like soccer in Europe. Mixed martial arts and then football. Right. So, how how do you think the fan are they like super similar or is it like, you know? Yeah, I think that um, <laughs> well, you know, football, you like you got your favorite team, right? When when I played in Buffalo, when you're born in Buffalo, you're as soon as you come out the womb, they put a Buffalo Bills beanie hat on you. And you're a Buffalo Bills fan. You ain't got a, you don't have another choice. Weren't you from Maryland? Uh, from Maryland, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I played a couple years in Buffalo, okay. and so. What I what I see in the MMA space is they got their they got their favorite fighter, right? You got like for example, post something about Conor McGregor and watch the comments under it. Watch how rabid people are about Conor. Watch the, how rabid people are when you say that Khabib is not the best fighter over John Jones as far as the GOAT status, right? They got their favorite fighter, and there's nothing you can say about that fighter that they love. And I, I love that part of it. That's why, I mean, I love being around the sport because they will go to the end of the world and back to fight you or who they think is the best fighter ever. And that that's the difference, I think, in in football coming from the NFL and then now being in MMA. You know, my I, I uh, when I first got out of the Army before I went to the DOD, I had a friend uh, who worked, it was a contractor in New York City. He, he was a mover. And he's like, bro, I'll give you like 200 bucks a day, you know, come move furniture. And I was like, let's do it. This guy had triplet girls. Didn't cry. When the 49ers lost the Super Bowl, his wife made a video of him crying. And she was like, you didn't even cry when our children were born. And he's like, he got into a big argument. She's like, he's like, you don't understand. I've been waiting for 30 years or something, whatever the time was. It, um, but, it, it does. I mean, it, it's something unlike um, like you've ever seen. I had, um, when, I, when I played with the Chargers, I had, um, there, there was a guy's dad. Um, I'm sorry, the son had passed away and they were buried in my jersey. And so they uh, and I still got the pictures and stuff like that. And then when the guy told me about his son being my favorite fan, he loved the Chargers, loved me. He's showing me a picture with his son in the casket with my jersey on. I'm 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 shaking, and I'm like I, I you know I'm, I don't know what to say to this guy. I'm like stuttering. I'm I'm tearing up. I'm like there's somebody in 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 the casket who just passed away that wanted to be buried in my jersey, and that. I always do a lot for the fans anyway. I'm always fans first, no matter what. That's, you know, the, why we sell tickets, why we do well, everybody watch, because I've always been fan number one. But when you see something like that, man, it, it it changes you because you understand that there's somebody out. And you don't know 
you know the people watch you, they they got your jersey, they got your number, but until you see something like that, it's it's a game changer. Yeah, I think that's what changed the game with social media. People feel closer to you guys. Yeah. They just they feel like even if they you don't see the messages, you know, but like they just feel like, oh, I can actually reach out to Sean Merritt. Right. Holy shit. Like I got a number fifty six jersey signed in my, you know, backseat right now. They just feel so but you guys sometimes are so busy. You li- people forget, and I'm learning that in this industry now, being around all, all, a lot of celebrities and fighters and, and and all you guys, that you guys are normal people. I was real nervous. I had imposter syndrome the first couple months in here, you know, and, and going to the Apex and the VIP and, like, seeing Flex Lewis and the Nelk. I just – I didn't feel comfortable, and I'm like – because I'm – I'm not there, but then I'm like, but these everybody's super nice. Even my dad was like, everyone is so. I said because they're 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 full, right? They're they're happy, you know. They're where they where they should be. They're at the pinnacle of, and they're still growing. But fans, you guys don't know, you know. Like I've got a taste of it, but you got millions of people that have been watching you for all these years, and they've been trying, and it's unfortunate. But I mean. To, to have that happen, that's a hell of an impact on you. We, um, you know, and so like, that's deep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, listen, you you see somebody buried in a, in a casket with your jersey on it, you you start looking at everything different because even when also my, my grandmother one time she uh, we were eating at uh, at Outback. This is when I was in I was at the University of Maryland, and then we went to an Outback that was not too far from her in Capitol Heights, Prince George's County, and. Um, I was eating with her and I was alone with my grandma and I kind of just wanted to be left alone and somebody came up for a picture, an autograph or whatever. And I didn't get pissed off, but I was like, dude, I'm I'm you know, I'm over here with my with my my grandmother. We kind of hanging out. I haven't yeah. I haven't seen her in a little bit. Um and then I didn't sign it at first. I was slow signing and she and my grandmother did it. She slapped my leg under the table. <laughs> and I said, I said, what? what? What was that for? She said, sign that damn autograph, boy. Yeah. I said, what did I do? And I signed the autograph, took the picture with the guy, and she walked off and she said this, and I'll never forget it. It always stays with me now and why I do it so much. She said, don't be mad when they come and ask for autograph. Be mad when they stop asking for it. And so from that point on, I start looking at everything completely different. Um, you know, to for somebody to come up to you and they want your autograph or picture, and somebody had autographs of mine of, if, since college or 15 plus years she and I, I every time I think about not signing an autographs I'm busy running to the airport or something happening my grandpa that voice saying do not be mad when they come ask for your autographs be mad when they stop and so I never forgot that and that's why I do a lot with the fans now Jeez, how do we continue the podcast after that one <laughs> holy grandma shout out to grandma my grandma raised me I got a lot from her too yeah strong she she raised three kids in Brooklyn New York as a single mom you know <laughs> And then my parents divorced, she raised us. You know, my dad was a cop in New York City, so he was never home. Tough Catholic woman. She'd smack the hell out of you. If she saw me now with these tattoos, you'd be like, Bobby, why are you running across? I'd be gone. Oh, I came, I came home. You know, she saw my, my lights out tattoo. I wore long sleeves in the summer. Yeah. I was terrified of my kids. My, my grandmother, we, was, everybody was raised in a kind of a Southern Baptist church. And um, oh. I remember when I got the lights out tattoo, and uh, one day I, I slipped up. And I had on a short sleeve. I was hot as hell outside. <laughs> and I came in. I forgot that she was home. I didn't know she was home from work. And I came in and she saw that tattoo. Back of my head, slapped the hell out of me, right? Yep. And, I, you know, caught me by surprise. She said, what is that on your arm? And I said, ah, oh, damn. 
Got me. And uh, her thing was, just, boy, you, you're mocking up God's temple. And nah, 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 nah. I was like, yeah, mom, but, you know, it's time change. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she same. Hear that shit. And my first tattoo, when I got, I got caught, I wore shorts. It says, in God we trust. I was like, at least it says, in God we trust. <laughs> right. She was like, it doesn't matter. She right. was all pissed off. Man. Yeah, shout out to the grandmas. So we got a big fight coming up. Yep. Uh, I'm, I want to say I'm super proud of you. Can you break down how the fight cards are going to go for the ones that uh, are, are going to, you know, tune in that have not before? Uh, like, just the structure of your organization, do, right. like your your weight classes. Can you go through that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so what we typically like to do is, um, depending on what we have in a fight is, like this said, this next one is at in, uh, Casino Palma, and we try to get as many local guys on as possible, right? Obviously, they sell tickets. That's that's always helpful, but they got gyms, their family, their friends, got people that come, they come and train. with Everybody want to come and see, you know, their, their guy get down. And so we'll try to have, you know, six or seven amateur, six, seven pro and make it a day, right? It's normally like a three hour, a three hour event. And so, um, so you get those local guys on there. Mind you, everybody's looking for an opportunity, right? These, these amateurs and some of these guys, believe it or not, some of these amateur fights are better than the pros because they know they're going to get their record. So some of these guys come out swinging. Oof. They come out swinging. Ain't no technique, no nothing. They're like, man, I'm going to knock this dude out. And it has no technique. No, and some, sometimes it makes the best fights. Um, and so you try to build up your local guys as much as possible. So this fight, we got a lot of local, probably – eight local, eight or nine local fights or 10 local fights on that card out of the 14 or whatever it is. And so you try to stack it with that. And then you you want to get your co-main event, main event with guys that people know, right? They, they know the MMA community. They got a name. Some of these guys fought in the UFC before. They come in to take, take a couple fights with you. Uh, we got a couple fights. I already got uh, contract offers from the UFC for contender, which is which is super cool, you know, for us. Um, and so it's really when I, when we come to town, we want to give everybody there a shot first, right? Now you might have you might have a guy you know we got a um, a, a couple of wrestlers from Penn State that reached out um, they're they, they're amateurs turning pro or just trying to get some amateur fight because they're coming on from the wrestling so once in a while you fly some guys in because you just want to you know see what they see where they at you know talent wise yeah. um, so you do that but for the most part man we want to give as many local guys as as much attention and and, and an opportunity as they deserve period. That's pretty cool. It makes a lot of sense in the business side, too. You got the hometown hero. He's about to fight. The whole town's coming out. You know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then you're, you know, you're Dana White. Yeah. So they they see you sitting there, and they're like, holy shit, that's Sean Mary. And you, you're not just Sean Mary. You own the fight organization. Yeah, so, so. You, you know what's, what's funny about that, um, and especially when I first started off, we launched Lights Out Extreme Fight, and we had, I had some guys who would come up in the weigh-ins. And so some of them had like my old jersey, and you know it, it kind of <laughs> it, it, you're, you're excited about it because you appreciate it, but then again I'm like you think in your head like dude I'm old as shit man like yeah. you know because so, some of these guys say man I got I used to wear your jersey when I was ten yeah and I'm like ten let me let me do the math one two it goes quick it's quick right um, and so that part of it is is cool right but because you you have those guys and both men and women that watch you play on a football field. Now, to come on this side to know that they're getting a different level of eyeballs, a different set of eyeballs for me because I don't really come from the, the MMA background, right? Uh, most of my background is from, obviously, NFL. That's where I played. And so what I try to do is give these guys a different set of eyeballs, right? They're going to get it in the MMA community because they, they, they've been training, they've been fighting already. So the MMA community know who they, know who they are. What I try to do is get them a different set of eyeballs that they wouldn't get anywhere else. 
right? And so that, you know, we go back to why people might be pissed off at me or might be mad. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm bringing some damn eyeballs. That's what I'm going to – and I'm, okay, I'm going to con- continue to do that. So if you're going to be mad at that, then just stay mad. But um, when you're bringing a different level, that level, level of eyeballs to these fighters, everybody wants to be a part of that. Yeah. I can, All I could think of when you say – I'm like stuttering. The only thing I could think when you just said that was uh, what an asset to lose. Like, I, like for instance, or John, you know, he's like my big brother. For for me to screw this up would be just, are you like, and to have a Hall of Fame, you know, NFL guy who owns an organization refining, and you mess that up, you got, they got some good, they did you a favor. Yeah. You know, because bigger you get and you're going to keep getting bigger, might as well weed them out now. Yeah. You know? And, and, then, the, and then the thing is, too, I think that the reason why I love this space, it is a lot of shit talking Right, and it's a fight business. It's a fight business. There's there's a lot of shit talking behind the scenes to your face in the gym in the meeting room. It's a lot of shit talking. I think that, um, for one, it's been a mental help for me to leave the lock because you talk to any former guy. The first thing they'll tell you is they miss the locker room. Nobody say they they you know miss the money. The money's cool. Did you make a lot a ton of money? They don't, nobody missed the politics of, of playing in the NFL, but every guy will tell you that they missed the locker room. And so for me, it's kind of therapeutic in a way. Um, you know, the guys that come over and they're talking shit, they're going back and forth. And for me, I'm like, oh, this is just like the locker room. This is this is great. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? And I'm, I'm tapping him like, hey, you going you got to get him because he, he, you know, he just said this, right? Yeah. Um, and the, you know, the promoter side of me come out, but I think all in all, man. Um, what we're building with these other verticals. I got reality shows that we, we got coming, additional content about former athletes transitioning into MMA, to lights out extreme fighting. So that's that's going to be coming down the pipeline. But I think all in all, um, it's it's been great, man. I wouldn't I wouldn't change I wouldn't change anything. You know, and even some of the learning curves and some of the things we're picking up. I got a great team. I I got a different level level of access to you know, the tech world and, and the content world and some of these other bigger players that's coming on to what we're building. So it's just been fun. I'm, I'm a worker, man. I'm, a, I'm just a natural. I love the process. I'm terrified of getting to the end and, like, something happening and me not – I can't build no more, right? Yeah. I just – I want to build. I want to grow. And, you know, these 12, 13-hour-plus days, being able to work out in the morning at 5.30 and just have this regiment – because one thing that all guys struggle with when they get done with, on the football field is that regiment they lose. And when they lose their regimen, that's when a lot of other problems start to happen, man. And so for me to keep this same regimen, I have it. I'm in the gym at 5.36 in the morning. And right after I get off, I'm on a sponsorship call. I'm on a you know, operations call. I'm on a production call. We got a production call right now that I'm missing. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's all good. Trust me. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. figure, figure it out. Let me know. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm doing you know a lot of the media, a lot of showing up. And then talking about it, and then I'm talking about something I care about. That's the passion, you know, man. That that I think that's the funnest thing for me because I own it. It's mine, but also too, um, I know that I can take this thing to another level. And so for me, that's been fun. And even the trials and tribulations, the bullshit that I might have to deal with along the way, I'm okay with that because I already know that's coming. Yeah. Anytime you have some success in your industry and it bothers other people, you're just going to get a lot of bullshit, and it's 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 just a part of the game. I don't know if you deal with this, but I'm I'm a pretty good read with people, and I could be completely wrong, and I, and I only think it's a tiny bit, but I want to say like man to man, like I'm proud of you for what you've done because you've worked. Nobody gave you that stuff. Nobody helped you knock the people out in football and at a high school level. You work. You 
literally put your body on the line your entire life. And now you're where you're at because of the hard work, dedication, and the passion that you have. So I want to say, like, and I don't know if you feel it, but never feel bad ever for succeeding and being better than other people. And believe it or not, and I'm, as I'm, bad as that sounds, no, no, no. It, you know, and it's a, it's a word for that's called survivor's remorse, right? Um, and I did because of where I grew up at. I did have that yeah. for a period of time because you want you want everybody to come with you. Yep. You want to yeah. take everybody, and then when you're successful and they're not, and people always give a reason why you're successful and they're not. Um, you start to feel bad about that, but that that shit left me, you know, yeah. years ago. No, I mean, in the fight business, it's yeah. like you're you're, yeah, no, you got, I, you're killing it because of who you are and what you built, and yeah. these other guys that are talking some shit. It's because they're not you. Too bad. Yeah, and then you know the the crazy thing about me is like we talked about. I got no problem with conflict and competition. If that's what you want, that's never my goal, right? Um, I love for another promotion to, to be able to text me or guys I know that's matchmakers or operation, whatever production. I know a lot of production people. Hey. We need. We're trying to do this, guys. Do you have this, right? I might ask ask somebody, and I don't get involved too much in a whole lot of the matchmaking, but sometimes I will because yeah. I know a lot of these fighters. And you know, if another promotion or somebody texts me and say, "Hey, we you know, we got a guy. Can he jump in your car?" That shit is cool to me. Beautiful, right? It's beautiful because it's like, man, I'm not trying to step on your toes. In fact. When I find all the guys are fighting somewhere, I'm like, hey, go go take care of business. Go whoop some ass. I'm going to be watching. Yeah. If I can't make it there, I'm going to be watching. And so, uh, but when you're so locked in to succeeding, right, You, I have no problem with the work. I have, I, I never complain. I don't complain about anything, no matter what the circumstance is. Um, and I just love to build. And so when you have that attitude and that's all you want to do, you can't stop. You, you, what do you, you can't stop that, man, because even in my failure, I'm not going to stop going forward. And so it, it takes a little bit for people to understand that. There's even the ones that hate it, like, oh, shit, we, we hate on this. It ain't, it ain't working. It keeps coming. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't working. Well, let's, let's, try, let's try something else. Yep. What else can we do? Because he, look, he's not stopping. And so uh, that, as, long as, as long as I have that mentality, and I don't believe it'll ever go while I'm on this earth, it'll always be the same. Yeah. Um, you you you're gonna win eventually. Uh, how are we doing on time? Yeah, yeah. ready to go. Yeah. I got I gotta ask you about um because you know this is this is a the MMA world, uh, and I'm not asking for myself because I'm your buddy and I have fight junkie. Like, you have your own production. You have you have you know where you guys are streaming it and you partnered with with them and you're on TV. But as for like the media that comes there, yeah. are you guys reaching out to like people like Brett Akimoto and these people that with ESPN and like do you have Cause I'm new to it too, but I see what? like on the press conferences there'll be like a a row of like you know Sean Morgan and all these dudes in the back. Yeah. Do you guys do that too? Is uh, or is it just in house? And you guys do all of it? All of it. All of it. We we try to invite as much of the media as possible, especially local media. Yeah. Right. Um, because when you come and have these fights, it's also being a part of the community. And um, you know we got uh, you know I, I just I just sent out today, and I'm gonna go down to hand deliver. We got uh, you know tickets going to Camp Pendleton, Miramar. Coronado, oh, nice. three or four. So we have like over 200 mili- military. And I've always, because I was in, obviously in San Diego. That. No, man, it's it's going to be fun for them to be there and meet to, to do that. But we invite the military, we charitable organizations, um, nonprofit organizations. And we try to make this thing as, as much of a community as possible when we come to town. So people are not coming to say, oh, we're just having a fight and we're leaving. Yeah. Right. We want to do something for the community while we're there. And so it's much bigger than just the fights. Um, it's about putting on for the people to come and watch. And then, you know, having some people like, man, Millet, they got some Millet, they shouldn't pay to come to no damn fight, in my opinion. So, like, let's see how many tickets we can give out so we can, you know, they can come and support us and just be able to see the fights up close and personal. 
I love it. I've been talking to uh, Justin Gaethje's team behind his nonprofit where they play golf with the ta- disabled yes. vets. Yep. And uh, I've been thinking, like, I, and I'm not there yet, but in a couple years I want to grow. Uh, so we're, Fight Junkies is bigger. And then I wanted to do, like, a, a nonprofit for disabled vets and bring them to fights as well, you know, uh, with John and Dana and you and, you know, the circle, especially by then. I would love to get some guys with some TBI that, you know, were in wheelchairs or maybe lost some limbs and amputees like my brothers, you know, and I've been blown up and almost killed. Uh, And I was just grateful that day. It wasn't my day. Many times it wasn't my day, but now it's my time and I'm in the seat to give back. I think that's awesome. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's a goal of mine, too, for sure. Yeah. And and the thing is, man, um, and one of the things I learned when you have a, a, a platform, you you kind of got a responsibility in a way too, whether you like it or not. Like some people is like, I don't want to be a role model. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And you don't have to be a role model, but when you got a platform, you can change things at a at mass. And that's that's why I even do what I do because when you have a platform, you can start changing things. Like if you don't have a platform, you can go change your neighborhood, right? Change a few people up the street from people you know when you have a platform you can start changing things at a massive level and so regardless if you if you like it or not want to be that role model or not if you want to be seen that way or not you're going to and you have a in a way you have a responsibility to do something about that platform that you that you're given that you have um and i've noticed that a long time ago and that's you know kind of why i've been out in the community doing the stuff that i've been doing i love it I got two more questions for you. I know you're a busy guy. Can you tell me about that bill that uh, you you went out to dinner as a yeah. rick? Can you can you talk about that a little bit? I, I watched uh, some content. I mean, since we met last last time, I've been going going ham in the content for you. Uh, how does that happen? What is that night like for like a guy that right now is about to get drafted? Like, if you could tell them, hey, this is kind of how it might go. Uh, well, for, well, first of all, they they uh, they stopped it, so they don't have. The rookie dinners anymore. They they limited. I think I changed the rule for that. <laughs> You're the reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm for sure. Uh, I think me or Des Bryant, one one of us got got the got the rule changed. Uh, so you take out all the veterans that are four years and up, right? You all you take them all out, and so you don't you never. For, I'm 20 years old, right? Like I, I don't you know 20. I just turned 21. So you don't really understand like what that stuff costs, right? You don't you never bought liquor and alcohol at mass. So I had the idea, to be honest, that the bill was going to be max, max, very max, like ten grand, and I was still. By the way, I was still very sick about that because you're paying ten thousand dollars on food and alcohol, right? So I was sick about that already, and so I'm seeing everything go around, and I'm seeing Antonio Gates and everybody. They they got these little bottles called uh, Louis Louis the Thirteen. I'm I just turned twenty one. What the? I'm from PG County. What the hell I know about Louis Thirteen? I've never had it, right? And so they order one bottle. I have a couple drinks. What I was like, oh, this shit is good. This is great. I, I look at Antonio Gates. I said, uh, yeah, order, order another one, right? So you sure? I said, yeah, yeah. This, this is this is great, man. I'm having a good time, <laughs> right? And then uh, so we go through the second bottle, and um, I, I'll go to order another one. So I'm thinking like, okay, these bottles are five hundred dollars, maybe you know, restaurant five hundred bucks tops. And I'm already I already got mine set up in my mind that it's going to be around that. And so I did that, and Lorenzo Neal, he, um, Lorenzo Neal grabs me. He said, you sure? I said, yeah, man. You know, let's, this shit is great. It tastes, oh, this is amazing. the best shit I ever had. the best shit I ever had. And so I'm sitting there, I'm drinking, I'm having a good time and everything like that. Uh, Drew Brees goes, he got, a, he got a bottle of wine, right? Like two bottles of wine in his hand, under his armpits. 
And so I'm sitting there, I'm thinking like, okay, hold on, I'm counting the bottles. That's one. So everybody got drinks, and I, I it doesn't hit me yet. Yeah, that it, I wouldn't have known either. No, it turned out these bottles of wine that he had is a thousand dollars under his arm. So Drew's walking out. He got he got two bottles of wine on his arm. Yeah, I think Lonil had a bottle. Everybody had a bottle. And so I get up. And I'm like, all right, I got to face the music, whatever, you know. And and uh, the owner of of this restaurant, Papa Moose Grill, comes and grabs me. The owner does, and he says, uh, Sean, I need to see you in the back. I said, um, just bring me the bill. Like, I don't, I don't get what the problem is. I got my black card. I'm like, I'm sitting there, like, yeah, just it's, it's going to be around ten grand or whatever. I can pay it. It's not a big deal. Just bring me the bill. I said, nope. I need to, I need to see you in the back. I said, come on, man. Look, you, we, you messing up the the vibe. You messing up the vibe right now, <laughs> man. I, Sean, I, I really need to see you in the back. Oh, man. So I get up. I go in the back by the kitchen, and uh, my back is against the wall. He hands me the receipt. And you ever see, like, the, the grocery store receipts that drop all the way to CVS ones? <laughs> the receipts that drop yeah. all the way to the bottom? Oh. I mean, this receipt never, it never. It's like two carts at Walmart. It, <laughs> this receipt never stopped dropping to the floor, right? Finally, it hits my foot, and it's even past my foot. So I'm going around. <laughs> and so you know what? You know what the bill's high, right? You start going to nitpicking on a little shit. Like, hey, I, I didn't order hey, these We didn't get a salad. What are you get, talking about? I know we didn't have 16. So who ordered 16 salads, right? So you go, <laughs> you start going through, trying to take take everything you can off of the bill, trying to negotiate. So I'm going and I'm lifting. I'm lifting up the receipt. This is no joke. The receipt's all the way by my foot, and I'm going up. I'm going up. And I got to the bottom, and I saw 32,000. Some my knees like. <laughs> You're like, look. My knees, I thought I was going to faint, right? So I put my back against the wall, and I'm like, shit, you know. Rookie player goes into cardiac arrest. Oh, dude, just put a fork in me. I'm done. Um, But I'll tell you this. uh, What did come out of that, and I still remember this to this day, is um, at the end of that dinner, LT, Ladanian, Thomas, Thomas stood up on the chair, and he was like, "Um, you know what, we're going to need – we're going to need this guy. And he made a really, really, really cool speech. And somebody who I, you know, admired, looked up to, you're walking into the locker room with Danny and Thomas and Antonio Gates, Lorenzo and all these guys. Um, but he stood up on a chair and he was talking about how much the team was going to need me to go and, and, and get to the next level. Um, so that was probably the only good thing that came out of that day. I, so I was just going to bring up LT as my last question. You, you, I heard you say that you guys used to have little incentives, like you know, inside game stuff, where you get a certain, you know, oh yeah, uh, for for certain tackles or certain hits. Uh, and I guess you you went a little hard in practice, yeah. And you got taken in the back once again yeah. by by the brass. How how did that go? I was uh, we used to have this thing where you, you strip the running backs of the ball, you make them fumble, you get like five hundred dollars per strip. And so you know me, I'm always I'm always down to make some extra money. I'm like, okay, I, I stripped the ball, that's an extra grand for me. I'm like, okay, cool, I'm gonna get the ball. So everybody else is fine, you hitting it. You know, we got Darren Sproles back there, Michael Turner, you know, a couple couple other guys. You hit the ball, nobody make a big deal. Well, LT goes and he was running one day, and uh, I go and I tomahawk the hell. <laughs> I mean, I t- I try to swipe the shit out the ball right hard as I could, oh, and I did that so hard that we both fell to the ground. We both fell to the ground. I landed on him like a tack- I tackled him. You could have heard this this napkin drop. Silence. Practice, practice got so quiet, and I, I instantly knew when I stood up that I did something wrong. I'm like, oh shit, what what did I do? You know, and, and you thought you did good. I, you know, I, I was like pr- proud when I got up. I'm like, yeah, I didn't get it, but, and I looked around, and he's just straight face, straight face, straight face, and I'm like, oh shit, I, what did I do? And the coaches uh, took me in the back. And then when we got up to practice, went in the, lock, in the um, linebacker meeting room, and they circled me up. And they said, 
Sean, you can't hit LT like that. I said, what do you mean? Like that, that's what you guys want me to, you know, how do you want me to practice? He said, no, he, he takes care of our families. You can't, you can't do that. Literally. And so at that point I was like, okay, I'm in the NFL. Yeah, you know, yeah. we can't do that. But you know, we, we had some some guys back there. Like Lorenzo, like, dude, I, I played with Lorenzo Neal, one of the best guys in the world, and then would, would just rock you. I mean, Lorenzo Neal was another level. And Lorenzo was a was a wrestler in, in college, too. He was oh, an wow. NCAA, he was a wrestler. And so he would always wrestle and stuff in the locker room. And he, actually, I'll tell you a funny story. He was, um, so Lorenzo Neal was, was, was friends with uh, James Tony. Okay. Right? Wow. Taking me back. Yeah, bit. so Lorenzo was friends with, with with James Lights Out Tony, and uh, so I'm, I'm working out one day. It was in the off season. I'm in the, in the locker room, and I get a call, and I missed it. I missed had a missed call, and the voicemail was left by Lorenzo Neal. The voicemail was about three minutes long, so I look at it, and I don't even check it because I figure it's a pocket dial. Nobody leaves a two or three minute message, right? So anyway, I just look at it. I put my phone down. I finished getting dressed. I just finished working out. And I said, oh, let me, I just decided to listen to it anyway. And so uh, on that message was James Tony. And James Tony was cursing me out, called me everything under the sun and said, you not lights out, I'm lights out. And he wanted to fight me for the name lights out. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's and so, damn. Um, so I said, hold I, I didn't know what was going on or why, where this came from or whatever. So I go in my car, I had my, my boxing glove, I had a mouthpiece. I always keep my boxing gloves, mouthpiece, and basketball shoes in case I wanted to go hoop. So at the end of the con- at, you know, and James Tony, by the way, has called me everything under the sun. You mother this, mother, I mean, for yeah. two and a half minutes, everything under the sun. And so they give me an address to the gym where they were at. They just finished working out or sparring or training or doing something. And so they leave. They leave the gym that they were at in San Diego. So I go. I grab my gloves. I go there and I get the address. I put it in Google and I go. And so I walk into the gym and I'm screaming for James Tony. I'm like, I right, let's get it. Let's go yeah. right now. You know, you talk. You know. And so by the way, you know, I'm not fighting in boxing. I have my my I have my shin guard. I had oh, you were still half. <laughs> no, I had yeah, I had all my MMA stuff. I'm not you know, I'm not fighting James Tony boxing. You know, he was still. Yeah. Going at that time, it's around 2005, 2006, somewhere around there. And uh, so I go in the gym. I'm I'm yelling. I'm like, "Yo, James!" I'm screaming. I'm 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 heated. I'm ready fired to go. Up. I'm fired up. And uh, so I'm going around. The gym owner came to me and was like, "Sean, Sean, what's up? What's up?" I said, "I'm looking for Low Neil, and I'm looking for James Tony." They said, "For what?" I said, "I got my gloves in my hand. I got my I got my mouthpiece in my ear, and I got my shin guards under my." You know, so I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> and so they said they just, the gym owner said they just left. They just left. And so I uh, I called I call Lorenzo Neal. So when I called Lorenzo Neal, as soon as I pick up the phone, I said, hey, where y'all at? I'm at the gym. He just burst out and started laughing. Ugh. He start, He just started laughing. And I said, what are you laughing for? Like, he said, man, James was just playing around with you. He didn't. I said, oh, <laughs> dude, I, I didn't. I said, man, I didn't know. I thought he wanted. You're ready to go. I thought he wanted to scrap. So, you know, he wanted to fight me for lights out. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's, I'll, I'll show up. You know, I got the address. I'm there. And when I called Lorenzo Neal, he's, they're, laugh, they're both laughing at me. And I said, man, I, first of all, you know. You got me. You got me. <laughs> and I wasn't boxing James Tony. I'm crazy, not stupid. Yeah. You know, so. But that that was cool, man. We what we, a story! We, yeah, we we laughed, we laughed it off after. But I I thought it was pretty cool. That's awesome. 
Now I have a question. What is worse, getting knocked the fuck out on the field in the middle of the game or getting knocked the fuck out and beat up in the UFC ring? I, I um, you know, it's crazy because I, I've never been knocked out. And I spotted, I mean, I've gotten clocked, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even that, probably about, a, probably about a year ago, I was sparring Roy Wilson. And, oh, I'm sorry, Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson, yeah. Oh, great. And, uh, great person to spar. Yeah. And, you know, he's older or whatever. He, I think he was just trying to get back in shape. And he he decked me pretty I've been hit, you yeah. know. Um, it's, it's it's hard because in football, it is a full body Thing, right, you're running your body into another human being, right? This you're 10, 15 miles an hour away from somebody else. You're hitting them direct on, so the rush is a little bit different. Um, I think that when you get when you get hit, and I think that and Roy Nelson actually hit me in top of the head. It was like right in the right in the top, so it was enough to like sh- have that your neck short a little bit. Yeah. and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> you know, and he's a big boy. Yeah, he's a big boy. But I, I've been in there with some guys, and I've gotten. Um, you know, I got I got clocked pretty good by James the Beast Wilson, the boxer, when we were when we were sparring. I got I've, I've been hit, but it's it's really it's really hard because it's a full body thing in the NFL, right? When you're running your body something, and then somebody just catching you flat on the chin or right behind it, the ear or somewhere like up in here, like it's just, you're, you're just your equilibrium's off, and you're trying to you know find your legs and whatever. But when you get clocked enough in football and you try to get up, you're going back down. Especially when you're like, oh, we got a whole nother half. Yeah. And you're on the ground in front of 50,000 people, the millions watch, and you got to get up. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a conversation you have with yourself. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, good. They're like is there, are they watching? Are they watching? Right, yeah, cool. everyone's let me, watching. Let me get up. Let me get, get up. up. <laughs> uh, last question for you. Big boys are fighting. Tyson yeah. Fury is going to throw down it. Las Vegas own Francis Ngannou. Um, what do you think of that fight? Uh, you know, first off, I'm I'm happy for Francis, right? You always, again, being a former athlete, you like to see guys get paid and be successful, and owning a owning a company, you know. So I also see the side of UFC and how they saw it. So you know, I'm happy for him because he get an opportunity to do what he wanted to do, right? I don't see it going well. I don't. I just I don't see it going well, and I get it. Everybody wants to bag nowadays. Everybody want to get paid, and then we, you know a lot of these guys are prize fighters. They're putting their bodies on the line. They want to get compensated for it. That part I completely understand. Like I said, former athlete, put my body on the line. You want to get compensated for it. Um, but also too, if you're trying to have a longer career and doing something, like getting that short term bag for me isn't as important as in building something that's going to be around forever. Um, so I don't, I don't see it going well for Francis. The only thing. If he survives that, it's going to be because Tyson Fury lets him survive. Yeah. But I think that you're fighting the best heavyweight right now, period. And maybe by the time he's done, maybe go up there with some of the greats. Um, He's too skilled. And he has no rust. You know, uh, Francis hasn't fought in some years. Yeah. And not only has he not fought in MMA, but now boxing, when you're talking about eight or ten rounds or however long they're going, it's it's a different beast. Right. And uh, so I'm wishing them well. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, with them at PFL, they did a great thing over there, but I don't see that necessarily going well for Francis. Yeah. Because he's fighting the most skilled heavyweight there is in the game. I couldn't have said it any different myself. And I, you know, shout out to Eric Nixick. Big bro, I love you. Yeah. That's, the, you know? yeah, got it. that's my brother, man. Yeah, Eric, Eric's, Eric's my guy. Uh, Randy, you know, got him right here. Shout out that's to right. uh, Randy Gator. I was also attached to 101st Airborne in Iraq. So, I got to go hard for Randy. Got to get you on the show. I just saw him. He's like almost 60. He looks great. 
Dude, Randy's like a. You know what's crazy is um, when he had the heart attack, and I don't even know. He if like he drove himself to the hospital. or something? I was with him. Oh, I was with him. I was with Randy when he the day that he had. We were actually training together, and this is so. When I want to tell you about the mentality of these guys, like the it's it's far beyond tough and all. Like they, these guys on the, on MMA, except especially guys like Randy Couture, you don't find them walking on this earth right too often. And so I was on the other side of the bag training at Unbreakable Gym at Jay Glazer's gym. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I would I would hit one side of the bag, Randy go, we're doing drills, we're getting cardio in and stuff like that. Um, I noticed something was a little off, but nothing much. You know, turns out he's having a full full on heart heart attack, bro. And walked himself like, dude, first of all, <laughs> to either fathom somebody walking themselves to the hospital when they're having a heart attack. Do you have like I'm not scared of nobody walking on this earth. I've, I've never been afraid of anything. But if somebody told me that Randy Couture was at that end of that dark alley, you know, I'm taking that slow walk down the plank. Yeah, we're gonna get our mind right. Like we got, <laughs> I got to get all because you know, he was, he was, he finished. First of all, he finished the workout. We finished it. Jesus. And the second part is, I saw like two and a half hours later that he was in the hospital for. I mean, I, I said, no way. This got to be a misprint. Or somebody, I just was, I just trained just with, with him, him two and a half. There's no way. I, we just finished the workout, and so you, you're just not going to find guys like Randy Couture walking in this earth. They're, they're, it's just a different breed. That's wild. I'm glad he was okay. Yeah, me too. He's, he, I love Randy, man. He's an inspiration. All right. So, uh, any last things you want to throw That's out it. there? August 26th, uh, Lights Out Extreme Fighting on live on Football TV, Football Sports. Um, and at Casino Palma in, in San Diego. This is going to be our biggest our biggest one yet because we first time in San Diego, we got a lot of local fighters on that card. Uh, we're giving a lot of guys an opportunity to be seen. I'm trying to get as much of that card live on football as possible. I'm still working out if we can get two hours, three hours, or however long it's going to be because I would actually if, if like to get some of the amateurs seen. A lot of people don't do that and try to have their amateur guys being seen. But if we can find a way, if, if football can fit us in and get it done, I want a good portion of these amateurs also to be on the on the live TV. I think that's great. I told Eric, I said, uh, because I'm in this as a fan and like I'm passionate about it. I'm I'm, I'm not just going to ask Eric to get me champions and like, who's the youngest stud in your gym? I want to get him on Fight Junkies. Right. Like let's 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 be real here. You know, we don't. Yeah. I'm not. A, I think that's great. I think it needs to be done more uh, because, like you said, these are the next generation. Right. We're, we're getting old, man. Yeah. I got grays in my beard. I got, I'm bald now. I'm here. I'm not bald yet, but the grays in for Ooh, sure. I'm still pretty good looking, though. Uh, I appreciate you coming. I know you're busy as hell, and I, I'm certainly going to push the hell out of this. Um, Sean Merriman, everybody. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank tune, you, as always, dude. Tune in to Fight Junkies. Yeah, you, you're anytime. Anytime, absolutely. Amber, thank you. Uh, like, share, subscribe. Let's get it. Have a good week, guys. Thank you.